This morning we're going to begin a, a series I want to walk you through uh, looking at why people choose different courses in life. Uh, and if you're like me, I'm kind of fascinated in just thinking about why people do the things they do. And maybe you all have uh, said this before, when you've seen people make big choices in life, for example, maybe they've made a huge career change, or maybe they started dating this person, or maybe they moved overseas, or you know, these huge choices, even terrible choices, like one that maybe a, a terrorist would uh, pull off in, this, in the name of religion. You would think, okay, what, what caused that person to do that? Or we may ask the question this, this way, what was he thinking, or what was she thinking? And what we want to get at is, I want to understand why you chose to go a different way. Like, What caused you to change course? And so that's what I want to look at over the next few weeks. What causes us to change course, uh, to choose a different path, to believe something different than we currently believe? And we're going to look throughout the Bible and just look at a few uh, figures in the Bible and see what caused them to change course. Because believe it or not, the people in the Bible are very, were very similar to the people today. I mean, they're just like us. They had some of the same hopes and dreams. They were pursuing some of the same pleasures and goals in life. Uh, they were just like us. And so I want to just look at some of these figures and ask the question, what, what caused them to change course? And I want to look at that point of change and even consider for, our, for ourselves, maybe there's a a course that needs to be changed in our own lives. And so the first person I want to look at is Moses. And what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a summary of his life, and then I want to look at what caused him to change course in his life and follow God. And then I want us to consider if we need to change course in our own lives. So let's look at Moses' life. As you may know, Moses is one of the most significant and well-known figures of all the Bible. I mean, almost everyone knows Moses, at least something about Moses. From his birth to his death, he had a fascinating life story. You know, talking about tonight, gathering together to, to share our story. I mean, Moses had one of those testimonies, you know, that people would flock to, to hear. It was just amazing from his birth to his death, what God did in his life. And I love what Jonathan said earlier, we all have a story like that. Even though it may not be as uh, fantastic as some of the things that happened to Moses, the power of God that's at work in you is the same power that was at work in Moses. And you have a story to tell about God's work in your life that could help other people to know that God as well. And so that's why I'm excited about this series that's coming up. But Moses' story is a fascinating one. He was born in a time of Egypt when the Hebrew people had endured nearly 400 years of slavery. And yet while enslaved, the Hebrews, the descendants of Abraham, multiplied greatly, even though they were slaves. And this, called the, this caused the Egyptians to be fearfully concerned as the number of Hebrews exponentially multiplied, right? And so to remedy this problem, the Pharaoh ordered that all male Hebrew babies be killed, thrown into the Nile. Because we have to trim the population because of fear. And this is the context into which Moses was born. And in Exodus chapter 2, we're told that when Moses was just three months old, 
His mother, who could hide him no longer, placed him in a waterproof basket in the reeds by the riverbank. And it just so happened that at that same moment, Pharaoh's daughter was making her way down to the river to bathe. And this little boy in the basket caught her eye. And so she had her servant girl bring Moses to her. And the scripture said the baby was crying and that Pharaoh's daughter took pity on him. And so there was a connection made there between Moses and Pharaoh's daughter. And from that point on, Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses into her family. And so from this point forward, Moses would be raised as Egyptian royalty, which would be quite different than if he were to stay among the Hebrew people and be raised in slavery. So he's raised in Egyptian royalty. This this means that he enjoyed all the benefits of being in Pharaoh's house. He enjoyed the education that came along with being in Pharaoh's house. He was educated. He was wise. He learned the language, the customs, the culture. I'm sure he was exposed to the religious practices of the Egyptians and the many gods they served, and perhaps even recognizing that they worshipped Pharaoh as a god. And so he was exposed to the culture, the teachings of the Egyptians, the language. He also experienced all the pleasures and comforts that came with being in Pharaoh's house. And many of us perhaps would say that things are going pretty well for Moses. I mean, would you want to live as a slave or would you rather live in Pharaoh's house? I mean, things seem to be going pretty smooth. The road he was walking was smooth. And so for the first 40 years of his life, Moses lived in Egyptian royalty. But at the age of 40, something happened. He would make a choice that would forever change his life. And up until this point, Moses, although he was born a Hebrew, he was an Egyptian. Culturally, with his language, his family, his peers, they were all Egyptian. So he was... If you saw Moses, you would have thought he was an Egyptian, not a Hebrew. Even though he was was born a Hebrew. And so even though he was functioning as an Egyptian, Moses was functioning as an Egyptian within the Egyptian culture, and you probably could not have picked him out of a lineup and said, oh yeah, he's a Hebrew. He was an Egyptian. He fit in with the Egyptians. But while he was living out this Egyptian identity, something began to brew in his heart, in his mind. You see, what was interesting is that when Moses was fished out of the river, Pharaoh's daughter asked to have one of the nurse, one of the Hebrew women to come and nurse baby Moses. And it turned out to be Moses' biological mother. Being a Hebrew, obviously, uh, his mother, his biological mother, clearly understood God's character, His promises to the people of Israel, the Hebrew people. And so as Moses grew up as an Egyptian, there's no doubt that he heard the stories about who God was and is. That He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God promised to Abraham to make His descendants numerous as the stars of the sky. And that God would, through the offspring of Abraham, bless the nations of the world. And that God was going to give them this land, this land of Canaan to dwell in, to be kind of a springboard of that blessing to the nations. I mean, Moses heard all these promises, all these truths. He heard about 
the steadfast love of God, the promises of God, the covenant that God made with Abraham. And so he's hearing all of this, and this is all brewing in his heart and his mind. And as the knowledge of God's character and His promises reverberate around in his soul, he's confronted with a choice. And that choice is this. Will he continue to live out the identity of an Egyptian in Pharaoh's house and enjoy all the pleasures and comforts that go along with that? Or will he identify with God's people and follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What will he do? Will he continue on the course that he's on? Or will he change course? And if he does change course, there will be some dramatic consequences. So what will he do? Will he change course and follow God? Just think about it. What would you do? You know, we might say, well, you know, I might just want to stay in Pharaoh's house and leverage my authority there for the good of the Hebrew people. And, and in some context, that may work. But that wasn't an option for Moses. It was very clear cut. Either he con- continued in his identity as an Egyptian, or he identifies with the Hebrew people and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if he steps out in faith, if, if he makes that choice to follow God, he will move from being a prince to a slave, just like that. So what would he do? Well, the writer of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into both what Moses chose and why he chose it, which I love and I appreciate. Because one thing I hate is watching a show that is walking you through a mystery and they tell you what happened, but they never tell you why it happened. Have you ever watched a show like this? It drives me crazy. You see the what, but you never understand the why and there are many things in life like that that we see the what we see what happened but we can't understand the why we're never told why why did they do it why did they go this way instead of that way why did they choose that that path sometimes we never know but the beauty of the bible is it interprets the what for us and so in the book of hebrews we not only hear about the what but we also get a glimpse of the why which i greatly appreciate And so let's look at the what first. Hebrews 11, verses 24 through 27, which is on page 1042 in the Pew Bible, if you want to turn there. And this is the insight the writer of the Hebrews, or the book of Hebrews, gives us, beginning in verse 24. He says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now over in Acts chapter 7, In Stephen's speech before he's martyred, Stephen mentions that Moses was 40 years old. So when it says, when he was grown up, he was 40 when he decided to make this choice. And so when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So first let's look at the what. The what course 
or, or at what course Moses chose. Let's look at the what. He chose to identify himself with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, so he made that shift. He says, I'm no longer going to identify myself as an Egyptian. I'm going to identify myself with the Hebrew people and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in verse 24 we read, By faith, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses is a great example of the fact that you can't say you're one thing and then live like you're another. He's a great example of that. You cannot, he could not have just continued on living as an Egyptian and identified himself with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Hebrew people. He just couldn't do it. He's a great example of showing us you can't have it both ways. You have to choose who you will identify with. And he had to make a choice. He had to decide, okay, where is my allegiance going to reside? And he chose God. And with that came some consequences. In verse 25, we read that he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And if you read the book of Exodus in chapter 2 and 3, you realize that because of their increasing numbers, one of the strategies the Egyptians employed to try to put them down is to overwork them. So they were oppressing them. Harsh work conditions, mistreating them. And so when Moses made that shift from identifying as an Egyptian to a a Hebrew, uh, with the Hebrew people and with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was taking a road that was not as smooth as the one he had been traveling. And yet this, this road that he was choosing was very rocky. So it wasn't easy, but that was the path that he chose. Now that's the what, and we all know the what. We all know that's what Moses did. But why did he do it? Why did he choose that path? Look at verse 26 and 27. He considered the reproach of Christ greater of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So here's what I want you to see. Moses made his decision not because it was the easier choice or the most comfortable choice, but rather he made his decision because this choice was a choice that would last forever. This was a a choice that would have eternal ramifications. So Moses lifts his eyes beyond just the temporary and makes a choice based on eternity. And I'm not sure how clearly Moses saw what God would do through Jesus. But what we do know is he saw it clear enough that he allowed it to guide his choices. We're not sure how clearly he saw it, but he saw it clear enough through the eyes of faith that it began to dictate how he made his decisions and who he would identify with and what he would do with his life. He believed, and it's right here in the Scripture, he believed that the kingdom of God, the kingdom that God was building, would be greater than the kingdom Pharaoh was building. That's why he made the choice, right? I mean, why would you make the choice 
if what God was doing and promising and who God is was lesser than the Pharaoh. You wouldn't. But it's greater, it says. He's greater, and therefore, He made the shift. I believe God is greater, His kingdom's greater, and therefore, I am moving my citizenship from this kingdom to His kingdom. I mean, that's the motivation of the choice. He saw God as better, as greater. He saw His kingdom as greater. And that's what fueled the choice. And that's what caused Him to make the decisions that He made. And this required faith. By faith, Moses did this. Now, this required faith. Now, listen to this. Faith is believing something will happen based on reliable information. Faith is believing something will happen based on reliable information. You can't have faith in what you don't know. Faith is a response to information. Now people can have faith in in false things, and you can have belief in false things, but faith must rest on something. It can't just float out there. So when you have this idea of blind faith, that doesn't exist. Because faith is dependent on information. It's dependent on information. And so what Moses believed was that what God had promised was sure. It was reliable. And therefore, he made his choice based on that information. It wasn't blind faith, but it also wasn't Something that you can necessarily see with your eyes because Moses saw the kingdom of Pharaoh, right? I mean, he could see it. But he could not see the kingdom of God in its fullness. He he could not see that yet. All he saw was the people of God were enslaved and had been for 400 years. And yet God, I mean, yet Moses made that shift and by faith chose to identify with God and pursue God's agenda rather than Pharaoh's. Why? Because he wasn't walking by physical sight, but his eyes of faith were being focused to this vision that was painted by the character and promises of God. So he was very intentional in this decision. He knew what he was saying no to, and he knew what he was saying yes to. And that's why he made the decision. That's why he changed course. Because he saw God and his ways as better than Pharaoh and his ways. And yet he did so with the eyes of faith. Believing that God would in fact do what he said he would do. So, Moses was gripped at the age of 40. I don't know how long it was marinating. And I don't know everything that happened in Moses' life leading up to the point where he was 40 years old. But it says when he was 40 is when he made this move. And we know the reason why is because he was gripped by the promises and the character of God which caused him to step out in faith and be involved in God's redemptive plan. This is what caused Moses to change course. Now, what about you? And what about me? You know, Moses, if you're like Moses, you've heard about God. 
You've heard about God. You've heard that He's the creator of all things. You've heard that we, as mankind, we have sinned and we have fallen short of the, of the glory of God. Meaning that we are at odds with God. You've heard about Jesus, the Son of God, who came and lived and died and rose again, defeating sin and death in the grave so that we can have our sin problem dealt with if we, through the eyes of faith, place our trust in Him. You've heard that it's through faith in Jesus Christ that you can become forgiven of your sin and you can be a citizen of the kingdom of God forever. Perhaps you've heard that. Perhaps you've heard that the followers of Jesus, you, you can't serve God in money or God in anything else. God has to be first. You've heard that. Maybe you've heard that as, as followers of Jesus that, that we're to use our bodies for good purposes. Meaning that we submit our sexuality to God. And what we do with our bodies, we submit that to God. And we make decisions based on what we do with ourselves, our bodies, our behaviors, based on who God is and what He's doing and what He wants us to do. That's what followers of Jesus ought to do. You've heard that we need to gather regularly with the church, with the people of God, to worship God. And to fellowship with one another. You've heard that we're not meant to live the Christian life alone. You've heard that we ought to be a people of prayer. You've heard that as Christians we ought to seek the good of those around us. And perhaps you've heard all these truths. Moses heard all those truths. He heard all those truths. And to our knowledge... He didn't take that step of faith to identify with God and His people until he was 40. Now, some of you are younger than 40. I just turned 40 in January. Some of you are older than 40. But one of the things that we all have in common is that we have to decide what course we will take. Which way we will go. Who will we identify with? Will we identify with God in His kingdom or the kingdom of the world? There's a choice that has to be made. We need to be, will we need to, be willing to say no to Egypt and yes to God. Now what is your Egypt? Egypt is that which represents life apart from God. Separation from God and His people. That's what Egypt represents. So for you, what is your Egypt? What is it that's keeping you from following God? What, what is it that's keeping you from being who God wants you to be? What's keeping you from engaging into God's kingdom purposes in the world? What is it? For Moses, it was the pleasures of the palace. But what is it for you? What is it that's keeping you from being who God wants you to be? You need to name it. You know, Sun Tzu in his Art of War says that you must know your enemy if you're going to gain victory over it or over him or the country or whatever you're dealing with. You need to know what it is that's keeping you from following God. You need to name it. It could be a wrong belief about God, maybe it's a sinful behavior. Maybe it's another person or your ambition. But you need to name it 
if you will change course. If you're going to change course, you need to know what it is that's keeping you from God. That's keeping you from following Him. Maybe it's keeping you from placing your faith in Christ. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Him and there's something that's keeping you from doing it. You need to figure out what that is. What's keeping you from following Him? Or if you're a Christian, what's, what's hindering you from growing in Him? What's keeping you from engaging in what He's doing in the world? You need to name it. And then you need to ask yourself, will I leave it behind and follow God? Once I name it, will I surrender it? And will I follow God? Will we live for eternity or will we live for things that will pass away? Will we engage and be involved in God's kingdom purposes or will we build our little kingdoms on the sand? These are questions we need to wrestle with and we need to think about because we have a choice to make. Will we live by faith in God? Will we live for what we cannot fully see apart from the vision that is painted with the promises and character of God? Will we live by faith? And I think today is a good day to change course. Maybe it's not your 40th birthday. But maybe it's your 40th year. Symbolically, maybe today is the day to change course. In order to do that, you need to name what it is that's keeping you from following God. Because you can't make yourself have faith. Did you know that? You can't make yourself have faith. Faith is dependent on reliable information. Truthful information. And so you need to figure out what lies are you believing? What truths do you need to hear? What is it that you need in order to change course and follow God? You need to name it. You need to surrender it. And you need to follow Him by faith. Today's the day to take a step of faith. To leave Egypt behind. And to follow God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you knowing that we all deal with uh, the Egypts in our lives. Those things that represent life apart from you. Lord, we want to name that this morning. I pray your spirit would be very specific with each of us and show us this is what it is. This is what it is, Ron, that's keeping you from following me. From being who I want you to be. From engaging in what I'm doing in the world. This is what it is. God, we ask that you would show us. That we would feel the freedom to surrender that to you. And as Moses left Egypt, that we would leave it behind and follow you. And say, Lord, I want you to be first. I want to be who you want me to be. And I want to engage in what you're doing in the world. I want to live for eternity. And that is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.